Welcome to StarCast, a show about tarot, divination, and all things mystical. StarCast is a celebration of StarCon, the Southeastern Tarot Artist and Readers Conference. I'm Amy Mauser, and here's your host, Christiana Gaudet. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of StarCast. We are on the countdown for StarCon which will be January 21st through 23rd in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, and also online on Excel events. And with me today, John Hyatt. How are you, John? Hello. I am doing great. I'm so looking forward to StarCon. This is going to be so much fun, especially because we get to do it in person. That's going to be so fun. Yes, I am so glad. I know you will be actually boarding a plane and joining <laughs> us in person. We hope lots of people will be able to join us in person. The, the great thing, of course, about the hybrid conference is you can do it either way. You can do it online. You can do it in person. But those of us who will be in person know that we're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah, it will be. Definitely. Yeah. So, John, I want to get right into, there's so many questions I want to ask you because uh, I'm excited for your presentation. You presented last year as well. And you are a rune guy. You read the runes. I do. Yeah, I, I love working with the runes. I, I started uh, in my baby paganism 15, 16, 17 years ago, and I just went right to Tarot. Robin Wood's deck was my first deck. I still have it. I love it. And uh, but it just never really grabbed a hold of me like it does some people like yourself and so many others. And uh, then I got introduced to, to runes and the uh, Germanic spirituality, the Norse witchcraft. And uh, that just kind of like got a hold of me. And I think it was because of my my Dutch heritage and my my connection to um, Europe there. It just kind of took off and uh, they they spoke to me and they just got a hold of me and uh, just really got really excited about it. So yeah, so I'm still trying to get into Tarot, but it's it just hasn't got a hold of me like the runes did. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm so glad that the runes did because I think, you know, as, as you mentioned, for me, the, the Tarot is the thing. But divination is so vast and it's so important mm-hmm. that we have multiple tools and that people really sort of try on different tools and, and see. And so at StarCon, someone who has never even played with the runes before may take your class and discover a whole new world just as you did. I really hope they do because I, you know, I see a lot of questions about people talking about runes and how do they get into them? They seem to be like this mystery. <laughs> uh, and I, <laughs> and there's really not a lot of mystery. Well, there is mystery to it, but I think that uh, they're not as unapproachable as I think sometimes people are afraid they are. So very briefly, mm-hmm. uh, for people, if someone is listening right now and they have no idea what a rune is, and, and I'll say right now spelled R-U-N-E. It is not something that is in ruins or ruined. It is rune. <laughs> Can you just give us the thumbnail of, of what runes are? Sure. Yeah, um, I do hear a lot of pr- people pronounce it ruins. And I always, kind of fun in a fun way, say, you know, runes are not broken stones. <laughs> uh, it's, it is runes. You know, runes are... It, it's very, it's very, the way that we use runes today is really very modern and it's more like the divination aspect of it. The magical uses of it are 
really mostly uh, developed in the modern age within the last 50 to 100 years. The runes themselves are a, an alphabet. Uh, they were used for some writing, not for writing like books or uh, uh, documents or government things uh, as we have with uh, a lot of other languages, but they were used uh, mostly for common things to, uh, as a language or as a, a writing system to identify uh, items such as combs or this was my jewelry or I made this or as uh, memorial stones. And so uh, it is It is an alphabet uh, and you hear it called the Futhark and that that takes from the first six letters. That's so it's uh, Fehu, Uru, Thurasaz, Ansus, Rido, and Kanaz form the what we call the Futhark. So that's like saying alphabet from alpha beta. Yeah. Wow. So I just learned a bunch there that I didn't know. I, <laughs> I knew Futhark, but I had no idea like where that came from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's fabulous. I have a question and it's maybe a little bit of an unpleasant question, but I thought we would just handle it and get it out of the way. I have noticed, and I think other people have noticed too. And I I mean, I've been playing with runes since the 1980s and somehow over that time, like maybe in the past 10 years or less, I have noticed some runes being associated with some really unpleasant uh, political movements and even Norse mythology, heathenry, uh, Germanic paganism being associated with the same thing. And I'll, I'll just say it, uh, white supremacy. Mm-hmm. What the heck? Right. Well, you know, uh, it's not really a recent thing. It didn't just pop up in the last 10 years. Uh, runes, uh, rune images, imagery has been used uh, for at least the last century or a little bit more uh, in association with nationalistic and, and uh, ideologies. Uh, the biggest, uh, the biggest uh, example started with the Nazis in the 1930s. You know, uh, whenever you see the SS, that's Soelo Soelo. Uh, they used um, other items, the um, Othala. Um, and the way, the way that you know Othala is not being used in its correct way is you're going to see these two little upticks at the bottom of it. They call them feet. And uh, so generally that is associated with people who are um, promoting white supremacy or other bigotry bigoted uh, ideals such as anti-LGBTQ, anti-people of color, things like that. And yeah, a lot of uh, people who gravitate to those ideologies, uh, if they're not, if they're leaving Christianity, they gravitate to a Germanic spirituality or heathenry. Uh, I don't know why, but they do. (laughs) So, and they've adopted those those mentalities and it might be because they've idealized the warrior culture and a way that uh and and elevated one aspect of of northern european culture to this warrior thing where they've got to go out and and it's unrealistic because the uh, norse and germanic cultures have always been multicultural always uh and and their spirituality has been cross-culturally uh grown uh, so they've always adopted and adapted things from other cultures that they've liked. So um, currently we have a lot of, of organizations 
that are in, in America as well as in Europe that are opposed to white supremacy and bigotry, where we call ourselves inclusive heathenry or inclusive heathens. And uh, it, uh, heathenry, there, there is a place <clears throat> that is open. There are many groups out there and people such as myself and so many others that are open and welcoming to people who are not of a Nordic heritage, who are people of color and LGBTQ, you will find a warm and welcoming place. Oh. The gods do not discriminate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that does my heart good. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So I notice uh, for those who are just listening, I'll, I'll describe this uh, for those who are watching on YouTube, you can see it. We've got a backdrop behind you that mentions your podcast. Would you tell us about your podcast? Yeah, a, a few years ago, I you know I noticed that there wasn't a lot of podcasting when podcasting really started out, and uh, there was a lot of Wiccan podcasts and witch podcasts and a couple of Druid podcasts. It was really cool, and there weren't a lot of of um, podcasts for Germanic spirituality and heathenry. And there was like maybe one, one had just started out and then another one. And I thought, oh, this might be kind of fun to do. I love listening to podcasts because I just put them on in the car. When I was a letter carrier, I would listen to them uh, on the while I was out delivering my mail. And I just love podcasts. So I thought, well, I could do this. And so um, I created uh, Gifts of the Weird. Uh, it, the name kind of came about. I was working with a friend and uh, we talked back and forth. We didn't want it to be too Thor podcast or anything like that because we wanted it to be a little bit more of not necessarily about a specific God or topic, but a little bit more. So we thought, well, you know, weird, you know, the universe, the norns and all that. And this is about their gifts to us. And uh, the podcast is uh, it's not a teaching podcast per se, I, I decided that I love to talk with people who are creating. So I have uh, deck creators and artists and um, authors, uh, musicians. I want to go into how we uh, uh, bring all of that stuff and express our spirituality in other in ways other than just in a religious or spiritual aspect. I love it. And for those who don't know, weird is spelled W-Y-R-D. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a fun little pun. But mm -hmm. when it's spelled that way, what does it mean? Well, it, it's really about um, loosely fate or this, the universe, the universal energies, things like that. Orlog, it's also called Orlog. So, yeah, it's, you know, the easiest way is to say it's like about fate and just the universe. Mm, I love yeah. that. And so, I always describe the podcast as the heathen NPR because I feel like I'm Terry Gross from Fresh Air because I love that program. I and that's what I try to do. I just want to make people comfortable and we just talk and have a conversation just like Fresh Air. So I'm, I'm, the, I'm the NPR of the heathen realm. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I too love Terry. Uh, so I just, when you mentioned that you were a letter carrier, I was thinking, how prophetic was that? That your job was being a letter carrier, and now you work with runes that are letters, and you carry their message. Wow. Right? I haven't thought of that before. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful, right? <laughs> mm. Yeah. I, Go ahead. 
I was going to say, maybe in ancient days, they, instead of letter carriers, they were called room carriers. <laughs> right, right. So I, I have to tell you, I, I just have a couple of personal things I, I wanted to, to share with you about runes and, and maybe ask you a couple questions. When I first started like hanging out in community with other diviners, I bought a couple of rune sets and each of them were like missing a rune or had like double, like they were collation errors, right? And I asked someone who read runes at the time what that would mean. And she was like, you just shouldn't do runes. And <laughs> to, to this day, I do a lot of rune magic. I do bind runes mm -hmm. and love to do bind runes. Uh, but I still don't read runes because this person said that to me. So what do you think? Oh, I'm really sorry they, they, they said that. Um, I wouldn't think that. I would just chalk that up to it was just an error. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, um, most of the time, most commercially produced rune sets have a blank rune. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, that was introduced by Ralph Bloom in the 80s uh, as part of his personal experience with the runes. They're not, uh, it's not uh, a part of the the alphabet of the runes so it's not historical or anything like that but he brought it in as part of his divine connection with the runes and that's up to him so i would just say well if you're missing one rune or uh, you could always take the blank and then substitute that one for that missing rune or if you lose one uh, unless you're actually using that as part of your rune divination gotcha. i personally don't use that as part of my rune divination I think that the meaning of that blank rune is already taken up by Perthos, which is a rune already in existence. So I don't think it's necessary. So they're, they're nice spares for me. I love that. And I feel the same way about the unknown card that shows up in some modern tarot decks. I feel like there are numerous tarot cards that already <laughs> say that. We, we don't need that. I, yeah. I agree. So one of the reasons I don't talk more about runes is I'm really confused about how to pronounce them. And so when you speak, when, like when I'm hearing you speak of them, I'm trying to like take note and say, okay, that's how those are said. Is there a runic pronunciation guide? How, how do we figure it out? Well, most, well, so the, the generic rune names that we're using now for the Elder Futhark, which is the 24, and the runes adapted and changed over the periods, uh, the hundreds of years. So the Elder Futhark, uh, the 24 original runes existed until about the 800s, and then it morphed into the Anglo-Saxon, and then they added on additional runes to accommodate for their speech and their, their writing. And then when it moved up to Iceland and the Norse, they reduced the size to 16 to accommodate for their usage of it. So the runes expand and change, which is really cool to me because it shows how living the runes are. And that was just for the the muggle use of it, the, the mundane use of it. And as far as for when we adapt it to divination use now in magic, to me, it just shows that there's a wealth of information and stuff. So um, so the generic pronunciation, when you get a rune guide now, it's going to be a proto-Germanic reconstruction based on what they think they might have been. We have no way of knowing what the original 24 runes were called. We only have what came in the Anglo-Saxon rune poem and that's what they're based on. They're kind of reconstructed backwards from those. So most of the beginning books that you get, such as Taking Up the Runes by Diana Paxson, they'll tell you how to stay it. So like Fehu, which is the first rune, and it looks like a sheath of wheat. Uh, it's uh, 
spelled F-E-H-U, and it was it's pronounced Fei-Hu, so they would say F-A-Y-H-O-O. So most of the uh, books would have a pronunciation along with while they're describing the rune themselves. Gotcha, gotcha. And you mentioned Ralph, uh, Ralph Blum. Mm-hmm. What are you, what are your thoughts? I, I have I have uh, a couple of Paxson's books that I really appreciate. I I was a little weirded out by Ralph, and I'm not sure why. <laughs> what, what what are your thoughts there? Well, you know, there's a lot of people who do who discount Ralph Bloom and his contributions to bringing runes into the modern usage. His his was one of the very first books mm-hmm. that were produced and commercially produced at that. So there, and there's a lot of people that don't like that. And I'm sorry about that, but uh, you know, he clearly explains in the beginning of his book, how this happened. He was handed a bag of runes, like the bag I'm holding now with a little slip of paper that had some scratchings on it, some meanings. And he, I think he had it for a couple of years before one summer solstice night, he got the inspiration. I'm going to take a look at those runes. And he meditated all night on summer solstice. And I think he was in England at the time. And he uh, would just pull a rune out of the bag. And so when you see the order of Ralph's uh, runes in his books, they're not in the Futhark, the, the, uh, Futhark order that we, that we know that they are in because we have stones that show that they're all randomly. And so uh, he, that's the way that he pulled them out of his bag. And so he would pull the rune out. He meditated on that and connected with the rune. And that's the message they gave him for that particular rune, which isn't too far off the poems, because I'm pretty sure that the paper that he had probably had the Anglo-Saxon rune poem meanings on there. So, you know, he just embellished around that. So for me, I, I, you know, what I think about that when people ask me, I was like, well, that's how he connected to the runes. Just like I connect to the runes differently than you will, Christiana, or any other person does. We will have a basis, which is the rune poems that start us out. But then the runes are going to use our own experiences, our own desires, the things that scare us, the things that don't scare us, to communicate with us the message that they have. And that's one of the beautiful things that I think about the runes is I'm not... I don't think they're just frozen on a rune poem. They work with us who we are today and the experiences we have today. And that's how they can be. That's how they show us that they're living and, and vibrant for us. I love that. That, that reframes that entire thing for me in, in a way that is beautiful. So I, I have a, a few more things I, I wanted to ask you. One specifically, Starcon. Can you give us just a little sneak peek about what you're going to be teaching us at StarCon? Well, you know, thank you. This is, I, I, when, when you invited me to speak at StarCon again, uh, I was like, oh, well, what should I talk about? And we did Bind Runes last year, which was really cool and fun. I had a fun time doing that. And, you know, with an hour, you can't go through the runes and learn all of the runes. So I kind of do a beginning thing. Otherwise, we would just be like, do, 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 it would be so quick. Uh, and uh, they deserve a lot more than that because people, it's nice to absorb. So I was like, wow, you know, people, I hear a lot of experiences like yours, Christiana, when people say, you know, um, someone said, oh, that means you shouldn't have the runes or um, I'm just afraid to get to it or or I'm just curious, you know, I heard some bad things about Ralph Blum, so no, I'm not going to go there. Or 
you know, there's those white supremacists that use runes to forward their bigotry and their hatred. And I'm just going to stay away from that. So what I wanted, so I really thought about that. I'm like, well, maybe we could talk about how to connect with rune if someone's interested, how to pick a rune set, because, you know, it's not like Tarot where you have all these wonderful themed images or beautiful images that you could go to. I mean, the runes look like um, just a letter on a thing. Oh, look, I picked up Othala. Now I'm holding up the Othala rune, which is the second to the last or the last rune in the alphabet, depending on how you view it. And uh, it means family and heritage and connection to ancestors. And so a lot of times it's just a symbol. It's either a symbol on a card or on a stone or on a wood disc like this one. And so, th so I think that's hard for some people, especially in a very visual oriented society that we are today, for people to connect with that. Uh, you know, it's not like Tarot or Oracle decks where you have all these images that you could draw on. So um, I wanted to try to talk to how people could pick that. Do they want to stones? Do they want uh, wood? What type of wood do they want? Are cards okay to use? What type of cards? Uh, if a card has illustrations, what, they, what do we, would we look for in an illustrated rune deck, which there's very few, so it's not hard. <laughs> <laughs> but there are some, some, some wonderful decks out there. A lot of times you'll find an oracle deck that will have runes associated with it, such as Sonia Grace's beautiful Odin of the Nine Realms deck. So so that's what uh, that's what I hope we can talk about, and we'll see how far it goes. And <laughs> oh, it's so exciting! I, I'm thrilled for that. Now, just very briefly, bind runes because we've mentioned it. Because I love bind runes. Mm -hmm. um, can you just give for for people who don't know, just give a little definition about what a bind rune is? Absolutely. Well, bind rune bind runes did occur in the written form of the runes a long time ago, but it was basically a shortcut. It was like contractions. <laughs> they did it to save space as they were carving out on a on a on a stone. And sometimes some runes were easier to just combine. So instead of saying do not, it said don't, you know, so it's a, it's a contraction basically. But in magical and divination use today, well, mostly magical use, bind runes are uh, a sigil. So we, we take the energies of the, the symbols, we, we put them together in an image and it could just, they could just be layered on top of each other or formed into a, um, a familiar shape. And then we kind of, imbue that energy and we use that as a focal point as we're doing our magic in the world as we're sending it forth in the world it's beautiful i do bind runes for gifts i'll like mm. paint paint them on a stone or that kind of thing and 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 give them to people that i love and I yeah agree. that's a great thing for it yeah yeah but my question then how if you're making a bind rune how many runes are too many for one bind rune would you say oh well you know think of it as um, if you were uh, trying to have music and you know how you have so many instruments, sometimes too many instruments can be too many. Uh, and then it just becomes a garble. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so with bind runes, I always recommend three to five, maybe seven if you really need those extra ones. But you really kind of want to keep it simple because you're doing magic. So you're pulling in these magical energies to go forth to uh, sort of be the wave of your magical use uh, into the universe. And you don't want a lot of competing magical energies there because eventually they might, they might try to maybe take it in a direction that might go, you know, it might just be pulling too much at each other. So I always recommend three to five. 
uh, at the most. Perfect then. I've, I've never done more than four. <laughs> yeah. so I feel really good. <laughs> and I'm kind of, a, I like the odd number thing. So I'll either go three or five, mm. but you know, that's just my little idiosyncrasy. I think odd numbers are cool. Three is a great number. Five is a nice number. So, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's really in, in between. And you know, um, a single rune can be used for magic as well. It's not a bind rune because you're not binding more than one together. But you can easily take just a single rune and use that as a sigil for the day. You could wear it or put it on a keychain or carry it in your wallet um, just for that reminder, such as uh, Fehu. Fehu is connected to wealth and growth and fertility. And if you're going into a business meeting where you got to close that deal, you might want to take Fehu in there with you um, or Kanos so that it opens communication so, or combine the two together. You've got a bind room. Beautiful. Okay, so here's a story, tales from my misspent youth. Uh, back in the 80s, when we would drive in these crazy old beat up cars that had no business being on the road, and we would take them cross country to see the Grateful Dead as many times as we possibly could, I would always put Rado, is that how you pronounce it? Okay. Righto, Rado, yeah. Okay, I would always put that on the car, and we never had a problem. Absolutely, Rido, Rido's, Rido is the wagon. It's it's connected to travel and uh, making safe to, safe travels and or travel and distances, things like that. So yeah, perfect. I do I do that on my uh, my bags when I go traveling as well. I also include Elhas. Elhas is a protection rune. It looks uh, like a Y with a line all the way. It's when you have a peace symbol, if you took the circle away and turned it upside right, that's that's Elhas. Gotcha. <laughs> so with those two, I put it on my suitcase uh, in tape so that one, I can recognize my suitcase on the belt, but also it puts that energy out there. I draw it onto the airplane just as I'm waiting to get in right before you go in through the door. I put my hand on the outside and I draw that on the airplane real quick so that my plane gets there safely or like you said, on your car. Mm -hmm. So yeah, perfect. And, you know, there's a magical spell in the Sigurdrifa Mall, which is in the Poetic Edda, that talks about um, inscribing a rune onto the oars and, this, and the, uh, the rudder of the ship for, for traveling safe travels. I love so, that. Yeah. So um, I bring, we bring that forward, and that's how we're doing it. <laughs> that's perfect. So now is a very exciting time for you, John. Um, Another thing that is true about StarCon, and of course, we got you into the StarCon family right at the beginning, but one of the things we really like at StarCon is to honor our deck creators, because uh -huh. without our artists, designers, creators, what tools would we have? None. And you apparently have just become a deck creator. Is that right? Yeah. Well, actually, this is the second edition. Uh, I created this deck uh, the, called the Christmas Oracle uh, back in 2017 and released it out through Playing Cards Manufacturing Company uh, initially. So it was a short run. And then um, I worked with Bella Seol, who created some wonderful decks herself. And she's like, you've got to re-release this deck. It's so great. And so it's called the Christmas Oracle. And I'm holding up the cover of the box. And uh, so it's got a nice little box now. And... Uh, uh, the cards I just created, um, you know, there's not a lot of Christmas themed or Yule themed decks out here anymore or yet. Uh, and especially at this time. And when I was doing readings at my shop, 
uh, I was like, oh, it would be fun to have a, a, a Christmas oracle or a Christmas deck of some sort. And since there weren't ver there weren't any really available, I thought, well, I'll just create my own oracle deck. So thought about it. I thought, and I didn't really want it to be a religious or specifically Yule. I because I love Christmas and I love the theme of it. I have such good memories with my family and the the whole Christmas time. Uh, uh, aside from the hustle and the bustle and the, that kind of stress, but just the beauty of it. So I just sat down with a piece of paper and wrote down a bunch of stuff and said, what does, what are the things that come out that most people think about Christmas? Trees, snow people, um, Santa, Mrs. Claus, elves, you know, Rudolph, the whole thing. And I just made a big list. And, I, and then I thought, okay, what kind of messages could they send us as an oracle? And that's how I created the, the, the Christmas Oracle. I have a friend who, who is an artist and they, uh, I said, hey, this is what I'm thinking. Oh, I can do some artwork like that. She's, they sent me some sketches. I was like, wow, that's exactly what I had in mind as to how I wanted this to look. I wanted it to be almost cartoony, colorful, like it's hand painted. And uh, so we created this deck and uh, really wonderfully, they. Uh, um, we made it an uh, inclusive, so uh, it's not all white people in there. It's definitely, um, it has people of color and if you can even see LGBTQ in there if you want. I mean, I don't specifically, well, there's no way to identify that because we're, we're all around all the time. Right. So it's a wonderfully inclusive deck as well. And it basically it's just, what are some of the traditions that we're most familiar with? And how can they bring us a message? Leaving cookies and milk for Santa. Or in my Dutch tradition, we used to put carrots and hay in our wooden shoes and leave it next to the door for uh, the horse that Santa Claus would ride uh, to bring us uh, presents. Oh, so, yes. yeah. And I just I had to wait for like a month while it was sitting on a ship waiting to get unloaded because of the shipping crisis. It arrived last week. So I got the quality checks all done. My Etsy store is open now, and uh, uh, people can uh, pick it up. And it's in time for in time for Christmas. I'm so excited. So thanks oh for asking. This is <laughs> well, sure. So keep going with that. Uh, the name of your Etsy shop. How can people find this? They uh, it's it's they can search for it under Phoenix Shop, and it's a Germanic spelling. So it's F E N I K S S H O P. Wow. What else you got there? On Etsy. Oh, that's it. I thought about maybe making runes and, and doing things like that, but um, that takes a lot of time and I still have a full-time muggle job. And so trying to get to those things. So I, that's why it's not called the, the Christmas shop because <laughs> <laughs> I had at one time thought I was going to be offering other things and it, it's it's just too much work right now for that kind I of thing. understand. But, you know, I, I would love to see uh, rune sets made by you personally. I, I would absolutely love to see that. I have to well, say. Well, the rune that I, that I held up um, is one that I made myself uh, with wood burning. And I took it from a, a branch of a quaking aspen uh, that was growing in my mom's yard where I grew up. And uh, so I was really glad to get a couple of those branches and keep those. Uh, before she moved away and here to California with me. So yeah, it's, uh, they're fun to do. And, and I've got a birch tree that loses branches all the time. So I have made birch runes uh, and 
a lot of fun. It is fun when, when we can make them. So I, I have a story to tell you. Uh, again, going back to the 80s, or I guess now we're into the 90s, <laughs> I wanted to make a set of runes that I, that I thought that would be great. And I wanted to make them out of wood. And so I collected these branches that, that felt sacred to me from different places. So I had this pile of branches <laughs> in my house. Now, I am, I am not crafty. I am a person who cannot be trusted with a knife or paint <laughs> or anything else. But damn it, I was going to make these runes. I didn't, I didn't even understand like how I was going to cut them into slices. I mean, I, I was really had no idea. But I had this pile of branches. And then I met a man. And I met a man who got me into professional tarot reading by setting me up with a psychic fair and saying, I'm picking you up on Saturday to take you to a psychic fair. Oh my. Um, and I ended up marrying that man. <laughs> and he said that I could come move into his house, but that pile of sticks that I carried with me everywhere did not come. <laughs> <laughs> and so I gained a man and lost all the wood that I had saved to one day make ruins with. So there we are. You'll find new branches. <laughs> <laughs> Easier than finding a new man. <laughs> yes. One one that's so compatible and caring, that's for sure. Yeah, no doubt. All right. So anything else that you wanted to share uh, before we say goodbye about um, what you're doing, about how people could get in touch with you, about StarCon, about anything at all? Well, I'm really looking forward to coming to StarCon and, and being a part of this this community again. It was so much fun earlier this year when we got to do this. And I love the divination community. And I'm really thankful that that you, that StarCon is more than Tarot. Tarot is wonderful, but the, I love that you include Oracle and and runes and any any other form of divination because it's such a wonderful community. And there's so much cool stuff happening in the community that we can connect together. So I'm really looking forward to that. And if people want to listen to my podcast, it's Gifts of the Weird, W-I-R-D. It's available on all your podcast catchers. It's even on Spotify because a lot of people listen through Spotify. So um, please find me there and uh, occasionally through a blog post. So we've got some cool stuff happening in November. Uh, for the holiday season, there's this really cool thing called Wolf Note. Uh, this little Australian kid created it about five or six years ago because he wanted to to honor animals and wolves. And so he said, I'm going to create a holiday. So he created a holiday. It went worldwide like a wildfire so quickly. So now it's uh, we do it on the 23rd. And then there, um, there's a, a, a Swedish modern tradition called the Sunweight Candles. And each week before Yule, we light a special candle utilizing the, the energies of the first six runes, the Futhark. And uh, that's also on the podcast. You can learn about that if you like to add that to your traditions and or just do that. So a lot of fun, a lot of cool stuff happening. A busy time of year for you and everyone, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, it's like time just marches quickly. So thanks so much for having me on this podcast and your video cast. This is awesome. So looking forward. What are we like just under three months? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is creeping up. So folks, it is time to get your tickets. Ticket prices range from only $50 up to $425. So there's something in there for you. You can attend in person in Palm Beach Gardens or online on Excel events. Everyone who attends will have access to the recorded classes for 30 days 
We're calling it the StarCon Afterglow. So whether, <laughs> whether you're right, whether you're in person or online, you'll be able to watch the classes, rewatch the ones you love, watch for the first time the ones that you missed. Mm-hmm. And uh, you'll have 30 days to do that on Accelevant. So it's a great deal. Get your tickets now, especially for the in-person. Tickets are limited. So it's starcon.com, S-T-A-A-R-C-O-N.com. John Hyatt, thank you so much. We will see you in January. Thank you, Christiana. Looking forward to it. Thanks for joining us for StarCast. For more information about our annual conference, visit us online at starcon.com. That's S-T-A-A-R-C-O-N.com. We are looking forward to seeing you in January.